Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hochberg, and this is episode number 439. Jenna is back from not one, but two cruises, recently going on Independence and Harmony of the Seas, and she's got her cruise review of what it's like on both of these ships. Here we go. We always like to give some cruise reviews here on the podcast, and this week we have two for you. It's a BOGO deal, I guess, but you didn't buy anything. You just get two free on this week's episode, and joining us on this episode again is uh, Jenna. Jenna, welcome back to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Hi, thank you. And uh, Jenna went on Royal Caribbean's Independence of the Seas and Harmony of the Seas, a side-by-side with the day in between, and uh, you know, Jenna, I appreciate you falling on your sword to take up this uh Hard work that we have to do here at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. I know. It was, it was tough, you know. <laughs> Someone's got to go do it. Go away for two weeks to the Caribbean. Yeah. Uh, but I, in all seriousness, I actually wanted to start off by asking you about, of course, something that you and I talked about in the weeks leading up to your cruise, which, of course, is COVID, right? And mm-hmm. some of the concerns with Omicron and whatnot. And, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So going into this cruise, because the last sailing you were on was in November, right, on Navigator? Right. So that, yeah. So that was before Omicron, a couple weeks before. So talk to us about leading up to the cruise. I mean, what were your thoughts on it? And then, of course, how did that kind of contrast with your actual experience on board? I was a little nervous, I guess, in the weeks leading up just because when I would go online, I would see like really bad news or I would see people on like Reddit, on the cruise subreddit um, doing these like ask me anything. I got COVID on a cruise ship and I would see those like multiple times a day. So from the Internet, it made it feel like. If you go on a cruise, you're going to get COVID like 100% kind of. Uh, but I'm, I mean, I knew that was like exaggerated a little bit. So um, as I kind of read more, I'm like, oh, it'll probably be fine. Um, but I guess with traveling now, whether on an airplane or any type of vacation, you're taking risks by like getting out of your normal schedule. But then again, I looked at it, you know, I could get COVID going to the grocery store or something or my gym that I go to. So um yeah, I felt I felt fine leading up. When I was on the ship, I felt totally fine. Um, really, I didn't notice anything different, really. I mean, I know there's, like, more strict mask rules, but I would usually try to wear my mask anyway indoors um, if I wasn't eating or drinking. So, yeah, I didn't notice anything too bad. Um, and the independent sailing I had first, everything seemed fine. Um, I didn't see any changes there, no mention of COVID. I know I think we probably had some cases on the Harmony one, um, because we were originally not supposed to go to St. Thomas because of their 1% rule, but I think they changed that to 3% or something. So I'm sure there were some cases on there um, and crew was in quarantine, but from a passenger perspective, I didn't have any um, thing change. That's me. great to hear. And and I think I'm glad you brought up the mask thing because that's something a lot of people are kind of concerned about is this, you know, yeah. technically it's a stricter mask protocol where now you have to wear your mask in vaccinated zones indoors, even if you are vaccinated, unless you're, of course, actively eating or drinking. But your experience sounds like my experience as well when I was on Navigator with these new stricter protocols is that it sounds worse than it is. It's really not that much of a difference in the, I think, the average day-to-day kind of experience there. So if you're if you're worried about it, that it's going to be some kind of like lockdown situation, it's really not. Um, it's just you just previously you could walk into one of these places, the vaccinated zones, and whip off your mask immediately. And now that's not really the case, but they're not really like they're not at you like, oh, you just took a sip, put your mask back on kind of thing as well. Yeah, like I could sit. Um, I went to Cafe Promenade a couple times just to get some work done on my computer, and I w- didn't have a mask on sometimes because there was a like a cup of coffee or something next to me, and no one ever said anything. So, yep. so let's start off with Independence of the Seas, a four night cruise to uh, Nassau, Coco Key, and you also had a sea day there. This is your first time on a Freedom class ship, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I liked it. It was very, very similar to a Voyager class that I had been on before. Um, but it was a little bit longer, so there was more room for bigger venues and more more to do. Um, and they had the pool deck was bigger. You know, they had a big splashaway bay and the pool um, as opposed to Mariner, which did not. I'm trying to think back to what Mariner had. That was my first Voyager class ship. They don't have a full splashaway bay, I believe. Right. Um, and, yeah, I, I liked the Freedom class. I think um, it's a great size. I think I prefer that size, actually, like that medium. I mean, it's still huge, but in the context of like Royal Caribbean ships, it's a medium sized ship, I guess. Um, and we went to, uh, yeah, Nassau and Coco Cay. We made both stops. The weather wasn't super great, uh, but luckily when we got to Coco Cay, it finally got nice and sunny. Um, yeah. 
So that was my first time on a Freedom class ship. Yeah, I mean, obviously, and and the differences between a Freedom class ship and a Voyager class ship, honestly, it's sometimes hard to to even notice them. You know, the Promenade has that bridge next to guest services, whereas yes. the Voyager class has more of an atrium feel to it. You know, uh, what what were your favorite places on Independence of the Seas? There's some interesting venues on there because Independence got a slightly different uh, amplification than Mariner or yeah. Navigator did. I thought that the Playmakers was really cool. Yes. It was huge, like really big, um, bigger than any I'd seen, I think. Um, it was on deck four next to the casino and Boleros. Um, and it was just this huge venue. It reminded me of going to a big sports bar on land, actually. So that was really cool. Um, let's think what else. Let me put my brain back to pre my you, Harmony Cruise. Did you check out the uh, Skypad on there? <laughs> Yes, I no, I didn't go on the Skypad, um, but I did check it out. I do like the Skypad though. I did it on Odyssey and uh, Mariner, I think. So that was fun. Um, I always like the, I don't know what it's called on Freedom. It's called Ellington's on Mariner. It's that part. Oh, the Viking Crown Lounge. Yeah, like the Cosmopolitan. Yeah, the Viking yeah. Crown Lounge. I love those on oh, on yeah. those classes of ships. Um, what other venues? I do wish there was the Bamboo Room on mm. on Independence because that's one of my favorite bars. But they do have. Uh, vintages which i also like on yeah. on independence fantastic let's talk about what you did uh in ports because obviously it's a short cruise very port intensive starting off yeah. with uh with nassau yeah so in nassau we wanted to do a review of the warwick hotel um it's like an all-inclusive day pass that we got through a resort for a day and i went there it was really nice it was not totally like a beachfront property because it's in the nassau harbor but they have a really great pool it was really big um and it's all inclusive so unlimited food and drinks it was cold though so i didn't really get the chance to enjoy the pool too much uh, but i did lay on a pool chair for a little bit and went to their little beach there in the harbor um and got a drink but then it was a little bit too cold and i decided you know this probably isn't the best day to be at the beach so i uh took a taxi back to nassau and i walked around the historic area went to something called the Queen Staircase, which is really cool. I recommend doing that in Nassau if you're looking for something different to do other than like shopping. Uh, and then went to one of the forts there. Nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Th that leads me actually to a question about January cruises, your first time cruising in January. What do you think of January cruises and what are your any recommendations yeah. or, or just what are your thoughts on that time of year? Um, okay. So two like two weeks before the cruise – um, I read an article about like the best month to sail in the Caribbean, right? And I think in it, I was like, oh, January to April or, you know, that winter, sure. those winter months. And then I got there. I'm like, did I make a mistake? Because it's really cold. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I just had bad luck on the first cruise because then the second one was totally fine. Um, but it was, yeah, it was pretty, I liked the January cruise because I live in a state that gets pretty cold. So it was nice to be able to escape that and go down to warmer weather, Um and there were, I think we had around like 50%, 40 to 50% capacity on each of the cruises. Um, so that was nice. And there weren't a ton of like kids running around everywhere because it's, it's a kind of an off season for school, yep. um, school, the school busy holiday time. So, um, yeah, I, I like January cruises. Yeah. Nice. Uh, let's talk about Coco Key. What did you do in Coco Key this time around? On the first one? On the independence. On the independence. Yep. Um, let's see. I, I just, so the previous two times I've been to Coco Key, I went to the beach club. Uh, so I wanted to kind of try something different this time and walk around. So first I went to South beach for a little bit because I hadn't been there since it had been closed. That's right. And then I spent the rest of the day kind of relaxing between chill beach and Oasis Lagoon. Um, and I really like chill beach. I think that's my favorite spot that isn't the Coco beach club on the yeah. island. What did you think of South Beach, though? What were your thoughts on that area? Because that area, as you mentioned, had been closed previously, and then Royal Caribbean yeah. reopened it. Yeah, I like it. It seems it seems like off off the main part of the island, which probably makes it a little quieter. I was there in the morning, so it was quiet anyway. Um, and they do have that floating bar there because it had been previously moved uh, since South Beach was closed. So that's yep. cool. Um, yeah, I think I'd go back. There's a shake what snack snack shack right snack shack yep a snack shack there and a couple bars and stuff and hammocks so it was it was very chill the, yep. i do the um cabanas there are really cool cuz they go down quite a while and the beach is really long itself yeah. so yeah goes quite a bit yeah but you say you prefer chill island though and all things considered when you're looking at the beach well area. i think it's a little bit um uh, 
closer to the other stuff, yes. but it's still quiet. And I think, yeah, so I don't know. I really like it there. <laughs> Chill Island. Yeah. <laughs> Good. And let's talk about dining on Independence of the Seas. There's a couple of different restaurants on there. Talk Anything stand out to you in, in your experience on board in terms of uh, dining or yeah. food you really like? I, I went to Azumi Hibachi, which is always really good. Um, the hibachi chef, his name was Glenn. He made this really good like vegetarian udon noodle dish. Oh, it was so good. Okay. And then uh, Independence has fish and chips. Uh, which is kind of cool because I think they're only one of two ships with that, right? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. That, that innovation. innovation. Yep. Yeah, and I don't know if that's because was Independence made for like a UK? Uh, yeah, I mean, audio, I feel like dining in general, in general, yeah. like on ships, like it's like a, like at the moment, that's what Royal thinks is the is what they want to do, and then you know, yeah. certain concepts last, certain don't, and clearly, yeah. fish and ships had its time, and it's only on right, two right. ships. Can you describe ships, fish and yeah. ships to folks who've never been there? Yeah, so I, I did not eat there on Independence, but I did eat there on Ovation. So uh, I think it's pretty much the same menu. Basically, there are it's both free and complimentary, or complimentary and paid. So there's a couple of things that are free, like a regular fish and chips is free. Um, I think they have chicken tenders and fries as well, uh, like a couple things like that. And then they have more upgraded options. At least they did on Ovation. Um, like I can't totally think of what what they were i think sure. maybe one was like a lobster or something uh and there you could pay more for those i think they have a deep fried candy bar or something i think <laughs> i'm not sure <laughs> but um and that's that's you have to pay extra for too and it's on the pool deck so uh yeah it's kind of yep. like the pool food in place of something like the hot dog uh the dog house or right. el loco fresh so it's it's good it's i think i like um el loco fresh more on the pool deck i think that's like best one for sure but um it's not bad if you want something different yeah well um, I, you mentioned chicken tenders and we're going on independence in february and my kids are chicken tenders fiends yeah so, so that's probably really good um, <laughs> i feel like that's probably more popular than getting fish and chips probably at yeah. that place yeah absolutely cool so independence of the seas uh fun ship she's doing those three and four nighters out of port canaveral so it's mm -hmm. the new weekend option there for people who want to go out of the uh, greater orlando area yeah yeah i thought it was a great ship i would go again on nice. it nice uh, so you, uh, you got off independence of the seas, spent a day, uh, on land and then went mm -hmm. back on board. And I know that you and I, we, we talked about this, getting your test done between cruises. Uh, ultimately you did something, number one, you had a backup plan, which is you had one of those at home COVID tests, uh, to, to bring yeah. with you and to do that at home. There was a bit of a confusion that I know that you went through in terms of trying to get a test on board because the policy says that you should have gotten a test, but they, they were kind of a little confused on board in terms of what the policy yeah. was, right? I think they were supposed to give me a test, I believe, because my sailing was, per the Royal Caribbean's policy on the website, I think it was, what, three days? Yeah. If, the th if three days or less, you, you can get a test provided. Um, but I had brought, I took a test before I left or, for independence, and then I brought two more with me. Uh, so I, it was fine, but I guess don't plan on them giving you one, I guess, based on my experience. Um so maybe you have a backup plan, yeah, I whether think you're bringing an extra test or not. Yeah. yeah, Backup plan is the key. I mean, this is really the lesson learned here is just have a couple extra. When we went on Navigator, we had some extra ones with us just in case. You never know whether yeah. you want it just for your own. Maybe you have the sniffles and you want to take the test quickly to see mm -hmm. you know, if you need to go downstairs or whatever the case may be. But it's always good to have a backup plan when it comes to COVID tests, yeah. whether you have an appointment or not. So Yeah, so I just took, I just took it myself um, before I got off the ship the last morning. And then I ended up taking my last test that I brought on my last day of the harmony cruise just before you know as a precaution before i went yep. back to um back home and then of course you were on the harmony of the season this was your first oasis class ship yeah so i feel like i i hadn't i'd seen so many pictures of them and stuff but it, it's different when you're actually getting on the ship and like seeing it for yourself i think yeah for, for sure. I mean, it's, it's something you have to experience to truly understand yeah. there. So what did you think about Harmony of the Seas? I know you and I had a conversation about this, but talk to us about your your, your thoughts on an Oasis-class ship, especially coming off of – you've been on Voyager, Freedom, uh, and Quantum-class ships. So it's not like you've you know not been on anything yeah. here. But uh, talk to us about your thoughts on the Oasis. Yeah, it's pretty insane, really. <laughs> like, it's huge. Um, I guess when you first walk on, you see the promenade, which is just gigantic – right? Like huge ceilings, yep. uh, very long. You see the, the floating, the rising tide bar going up and down. Um, I really like the split, the, like how it's split and there's the central park and the mm. boardwalk. I think yep. that's super cool. Um, 
And it has obviously a lot of pool space on the top, big water slides, which were really fun. Um, let's see, the aqua feeder is really cool. It was all really cool. Yeah. I think that um, it utilizes space well to, with the different neighborhoods. And I think it, because they have the different neighborhoods, they're not all totally interconnected, which is probably the goal, you know, so they're a little separated yeah. with throughout the ship. Um, yeah, so those were my first impressions. Uh, I guess I think I mean there's so much to do on it. Yeah. What were like, you? I, yeah. I was to say if you were to be back on board, like right, where did you spend most of your time? Where did you like? Where did you gravitate um, towards on board? Well, first I had a balcony, which <laughs> I usually don't have, so I did spend a lot more time there than <laughs> I pro- probably should have. But um, I I liked going. Let's see, I liked going to the pool deck. I liked that beach, the beach pool. There, it's it's a pool that the water kind of flows under the beach chair or the pool chairs. I thought that was really cool, so I would go there a few times. Um, I liked the the aft of the ship at the sports area near the ultimate abyss entrance because there's some nice chairs there that you can look out. Um, I'm trying to think of where else I would normally hang out. Those were kind of the main two, I guess. Um, and I liked. Schooner bar is always cool, so I would always go there. Uh, yeah, so those were kind of the main places. I feel like I didn't spend too much time in one place because there were so many places right. to go. So Yeah, and that's certainly the strength of an Oasis-class ship. They have an overwhelming, in a good way, amount of things to do. It's just so many things going on, so many venues. Yeah. You know, you If you're the kind of person who likes to meander or are indecisive, mm-hmm. this is a good place for you because there's a lot of choices available. Um, yeah. On this cruise, you went to a couple different places. Uh, first of all, you it, St. Thomas was interesting. Talk to us about what happened in St. Thomas because it was canceled and yeah. uncanceled. Yeah, so that was our second port stop. And I was skeptical that we'd get to go there in the first place because they had been denying a lot of ships. Um, so they came on on our second sea day on our way to our first stop of St. Martin. The captain or whoever came on the uh, speaker and said that because there was more than 1% COVID on board, which I believe was mostly crew, um, because of that, we cannot go to St. Thomas. So we were kind of bummed. You know, I, I kind of knew it was coming, but, you know, yeah. we were like, ding it. But uh, then, so then the next day we went to St. Martin. Everything was normal. And I was like, okay, this is my last day. Uh, we'll be at sea tomorrow. And this is what I thought for like 30 hours probably. And then I was walking through the promenade and I heard, I overheard someone be like, well, now that we're going back to St. Thomas and I, I asked them, I'm like, what do you wait? What <laughs> we're going to St. Thomas? And they were like, "Yeah, the um, they came on like a couple hours the other day after they said that we weren't going and said we were." But I didn't hear this. I don't know, and neither did a couple other people I was with. They're like, "Yeah, we didn't. We did not hear this was happening. Like, we had to go to guest services and ask if because they they heard people talking about it too." Yeah. Um. So that is one thing we were able to go. I think they must have raised their threshold of positivity rate or something but i do think that with royals app they should have some kind of announcements page that Mm. because sometimes you don't hear the announcements on the speaker especially if you're in your stateroom or something because i literally had no idea we were going there for over a day (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that happened once i remember we were on mariner of the seas doing a back-to-back and that happened at coco key they canceled coco key and everyone was bummed because it's coco key you want to go there and then like later that night they uncanceled it and we booked it out of there in order to make it It was pretty cool but it was it's kind of rare i mean i guess it's i wouldn't bet on it but it's nice to know that if they do cancel port theoretically they could uncancel it so yeah and i guess it was only a couple hours after so yeah. i don't really know so what, what you do, so what did you end up doing in st thomas i did a discover scuba excursion um i've always been interested in getting my scuba certification um i just haven't done it yet you know, so I saw that they offer that and you didn't need a certification, but you still got to use all the equipment and dive with an instructor. Uh, so we got off the ship and we took a probably like a 30 minute boat ride to this island called Buck Island um, off the coast of St. Thomas. And we learned how to use the equipment. And then we went down in groups, probably, I don't know, 30 to 40 feet below the um, the water. Yep. And we dove around the shipwreck and it was really cool. I like definitely want to get my scuba certification now because it was 
kind of unreal to be swimming that deep with all these fish around you. I know that's probably your worst nightmare. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I just... <laughs> it was really cool. I would ask, uh, where's my harpoon exactly? We're... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was a little nervous. We'd see a shark or something, but we didn't. But yeah, so I'd like to do that again in some other ports. Like I know Cozumel has some good. This wasn't this stuff. wasn't the excursion though, where they make you do a scuba lesson on the ship, right? Like first. No, and then. so that is the the Patty Scuba certification, yeah. and I think with that you do a couple less. You do some uh, workshop ahead of time online, and then you get on the ship and you do a session or two in the pool with an instructor, and then I think you have two dives at different excursions i think i'd like to do that uh, at one point because it's a i mean why not get certified right and then go sure. dive in these beautiful places but um yes that wasn't the same thing okay cool and uh, you went to saint martin which you absolutely loved from what i hear yeah saint martin was awesome yeah that got that stop got added like five days before the cruise because uh, we were going to go to san juan um but that they're not letting ships in really right now um so yeah, I rented a bike and I wanted to see as much of the island as I could. And so I didn't want to just do like one excursion and I couldn't decide what to do. So I was like, eh, I'll just ride my bike around the whole island. <laughs> so <laughs> I rented a bike. It was an e-bike, which is good. So it had some power to it, oh. but it was still a pretty challenging bike ride. Um, it was about 34 miles and I looped the whole island. So went, you know, across the French border and went to these beaches and then went, did some detours to see some other beaches, um, met some locals who were very confused by like me on these <laughs> random roads, like <laughs> in the middle of nowhere on my bike alone, but it was fun. Um, and yeah, I, I found some really cool beaches. There was this one called Friars Bay beach in the yep. North of the Island. That beach is awesome. Um, not very touristy. I think it was mostly like land-based tourists there. Um, instead of cruise passengers. So it was less less people. And then I kind of looped around back to the Dutch side. Or no, first I went to the Marigo, the capital of the French side. Marigo, yeah. And it's yep. really really cute place. Um, there were lots of French bakeries and stuff, which was cool. And then I looped the lagoon um, that goes on the west of the island and then stopped at the Maho Beach, the Plain Beach, and then um, went back to Phillipsburg. So it was fun. Yeah, I was pretty dead by the end of it. I went to bed at like 7 p.m. that night. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't function, but it was really awesome. Where did you yeah. rent the e-bike from? Um, it was called Tri-Sport SXM, so Tri-Sport St. Martin. And um, I met the – they also do the excursions that you can book through Royal Caribbean, like the shorter, easier bike tours that are only an hour or so yeah. in downtown Phillipsburg. Um, so they – they had an excursion going, so I just met them at the um, at the pier, like you do with a regular excursion. And then they took me aside and showed me the bike and um, kind of made sure I knew how to use it. I'd never used an e-bike before, so but it was very easy to understand. And then they had gave me a map and told me which way they recommended going. And uh, yeah, at first I thought I was only going to have time to do like one part of the island, but then I'm like, well, I'm just going to go for it and do the whole thing. So wow, yeah. I I am impressed. I mean, first of all, that's a long <laughs> bike ride. Thirty miles ain't nothing. I mean, it's an, yeah, it it's an e bike, but it's... it was very very hilly. It was there were kind of a lot of cars on the road for some of it, but I'm kind of used to that because I bike at home. And everyone was very um, courteous, though all drivers. Like sometimes if you're biking somewhere, you might get drivers who are very annoyed or that they have to be slow behind you and stuff. Yeah. But everyone was very Good. chill. People would be like, hi. I'm like, hello. <laughs> Even I probably looked like I was like, dying half the time going up those hills. But yeah, that's funny. Good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. And yeah. uh, you had one more. Uh, you had Coco Key, obviously. Yeah. So that was the last day, day seven. Um, and I was pretty like tired by that point. You know, it was, it was a hard, hard two weeks, you know, going on <laughs> vacation, <laughs> but yeah. So I, um, just brought like a book to chill beach and hung out there the whole day, um, nice. and read the book. So yeah, nice, nice, some nice. of my other friends on board that I met were partying at Oasis Lagoon. I was like, eh, I'm just going to take it easy today. <laughs> so, there you go. Uh, and you said you had one other port call, right? The first one. No, we had St. Thomas, St. Martin and, uh, oh, that's it. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so we had three three sea days and three ports. Great. 
And on board the ship, did you get to try anything new to you on Harmony of the Seas besides places like, you know, the Aqua Theater? What did you think of the Aqua Theater? Let's start there. I mean, that's a different kind yeah. of show altogether. It was it was awesome. They didn't have the shows going on, the actual shows. Uh, they did have all the ice skating shows happening, which was nice because I really like those. So I saw both of those. But the Aqua Theater, they originally had the Hideaway Heist show going. And I think there's – are there two shows normally in the yes. Aqua Theater? yep. Yeah, so they had that one, but then some of the crew – uh, had to quarantine the cast members. So they just did like a showcase of skills instead. So we saw the slack line performers. Um, then we saw some of the divers and the, the girl who's the aerial person who's like doing the flips in the air. Yep. Um, and the, I actually kind of think the showcases are interesting because the cruise director will introduce the cast and talk a little bit about them. Sometimes they'll interview the cast members and ask them about, you know, how long have you been here? Like, what do you like best? That kind yeah. of thing. And we actually saw, it was probably a half hour long, and we saw a bunch of different dives and skills with the music. Um, so it wasn't the actual show, but I think it it was fascinating to see. And it made me want to see the Aqua Theater show uh, in the future, you know, more. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I also recall that on Independence, you were able to see a shortened version of Greece on board. They performed the yeah the, the just the music, not the in between yeah, parts, right? So I was I was very confused because I, I think I missed the announcement that he maybe had at the beginning or I wasn't paying attention, I'm not sure. So I um I was there and they were singing in a line, you know, with microphones and I'm like, I thought this was a like a Broadway show. <laughs> I'm yeah. really confused. I'm like, is this the Broadway show? Because I thought they danced and stuff. Um but then at the end, well I kind of was like okay, maybe they're doing something different, and then they explained at the end that it was a showcase. Um, but it was it was still cool to hear the music, and they did some dancing, and the, I mean the set was there, right. um, but it wasn't the full show. But it was nice to see because on Harmony that they didn't have anything; um, they must have been quarantining or something. The cast members for that, right? And that's of course you know something to, to think about as you're going on a cruise in the next you know I would say month or two is that you know there yeah. can be entertainment changes and uh, different. Offerings, you know, the fact that they didn't show the fine line to you on the Aqua Theater or Greece in, when you were on um, Harmony uh, was also the same experience we had on when we went in November. Is And that may have been different. I'm not even sure if it was COVID-related or back then it was just they weren't staffed up yet to do that. Regardless, oh, really? um, you know, if anybody's going on a cruise in the future, you know, you got to understand that these are the changes. And, you know, Jenna wrote a mm-hmm. great post about this, and I've written about this as well on realcreamblog.com about you know, th- you've got to be flexible and you've got to be understanding. It's just the reality of cruising right now. And if that's a problem, yeah. if you're like, really want to see these shows and it'd be a disappointment. If not, then, you know, or a problem, it's a disappointing no matter what. But I mean, you know, if it's gonna be a problem, then maybe you need to delay until later on when uh, yeah. you know, the case counts are down. And so. there's still like a ton to do, um, yeah. even though. And I mean, I did get to see both ice skating shows and the Aqua Theater Showcase. So really, the only thing I didn't see was something in the theater. And they had like a headliner act there and stuff. Just yep. no major show. Yeah. So what other uh, new to you did you try on Harmony of the Seas? Um, Zipline. That was fun. Oh, yeah. Um, it was it was like short, you know, because it only goes, I think it's 80 feet or something. Um, that was, but it was really cool. I got to go, I think I went twice on it. And the Ultimate Abyss, which was awesome. That was like way more fun than I thought it was going to be, um, which is the slide that goes from the 16th deck to the sixth deck. Um, yep. Let's see what else. Oh, I did the water slides. I had actually never done water slides on the ship before. Really? Um, I get, well, I get kind of like, claust- I don't know, I, when I was younger, this wasn't the case, but I get kind of claustrophobic in them and almost feel like I'm like dying or suffocating or something. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I, I'm like stressed because I went on that big, huge slide at, um, through a water park at Coco Cay and I thought <laughs> I was like dying on it because it was so high. Um, but I did, I got over my fear and I went on the, uh, the toilet bowl one like yep. three times and it was by the, like by the second time i was like okay this is fun the other two were a little scary though because they're pitch black inside but everyone else seemed to like them so it was probably just me so i did those um trying to think other new activities i did ice skating on independence which was fun um because they didn't have that earlier you, this year do you know how to ice skate on. yeah i know how to ice skate yeah. okay so this wasn't like you a, can you ice skate uh if you want to call it ice skating i don't know how to ice skate but i i managed yeah, to I, I can get there without falling. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I'm a skier, so I, it's more like the same basic ideas. But I'm very—I yeah. can't go backwards. I'm not doing like I'm not skating oh, no. like an Olympic. No like, way. No, I'm mostly just like arms out, kind of ice skating. But I can. Yeah, no, nothing makes me feel more like incompetent than me going on the ice rink and then watching an ice show later. Right. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I can't. I don't know how they do that. Yeah. Any so any new that, dining for you on board? It. 
Um, uh, I don't think so. I don't think there was new dining. Um, I went to the Windjammer a couple times for dinner, which I usually, it was closed for dinner during like most of my cruises thus far. Um, well, my longer ones earlier this year. And I actually like, like it for dinner. I feel like the food quality is pretty good and the, they have a different theme every night. So it was good there. I did go to Jamie's Italian, which was really good on my last night and with a group of people. And we got, when you have a huge group, you can get pretty much everything and taste it, sure. which is, is cool. So we got a bunch of appetizers. And you had, I think um, that's my favorite. Yeah. And Jamie's on this one is the old Jamie's menu. It's not the newer one that you have on Mariner or Navigator, right? This one doesn't have the eggplant parm that comes out like the eggplant's like half cut. Um, No, it did. Actually. Did have it on there? Okay. Yeah, maybe they updated it or something. Cool. Um, yeah, because I got that one. Yeah, it's, I think the menu was the same. It looked the same. Um, so maybe they changed it. But it was really good. That's my favorite. Uh, I prefer that to the Giovanni's one. I don't know. I just think it's so good. But yeah. they're both really good. Did you? Um, and Sabor was closed on this particular sailing. So you didn't yeah, get a Sabor to try was that. closed. I did want to try that. Cause how many ships is that on? Just a few? Just a couple ships. left. Uh, Harmony, Liberty. There's one more I'm missing. Oh, Lur. Okay. So are they kind of phasing that one out then or? Yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's an endangered species that's on its way out. Okay. If it wasn't for if it wasn't for COVID, uh, they would, I think Harmony would be the last one that would have had it left because it was supposed to be um, both Liberty and Allure were supposed to have their amplifications. That obviously didn't happen. Um, yeah. But they were, but yeah, they're systematically getting rid of them. Uh, and yeah. you said the bar was open there, but there weren't any appetizers you could order or anything like that? No. Yeah. But the bar was open, although I'm not, I don't know, like if it was the normal, cause I ordered a margarita and it was, did not come in like a margarita glass. Mm. So I don't know if maybe things were like changed. Yeah. I, I don't know how it normally is. Yeah. Um, another thing, Solarium Bistro was closed on this sailing. Um, and I think that's it. Sabor and Solarium Bistro. And you only had, by the way, we should go over passenger counts. You had on Harmony, but what, 2,500 was the count they, on Harmony? Yeah. They told me 2,500. I think some other people heard like twenty. 200 or something so I mean, around there that's really low for an oasis class ship you know yeah <laughs> i i've been very spoiled i i because every cruise i've been in has been has been on has been like 50 percent. i think only ovation of the seas had 75 percent when i was there and i thought it was crowded so <laughs> I, I think I've, I've been spoiled yeah yep and um yeah and in independence do you remember what the count was on independence i forgot the number um i think 1800 yeah so you know, capacities right now are still running right around that 50, 60%, maybe even a little lower. I know that some folks are on a navigator that sees Jenna this past week reported like 900 people on board. And it is yeah, January. So it's a very slow time of the year to begin with, uh, never mind the Omicron stuff that's happening. So, you know, it, it seems like Royal is at least kind of maybe put it back into neutral in terms of increasing capacities. But, yeah. you know, things will change, obviously, but something to keep an eye on. And I know a lot of people want to yeah. know about that stuff. I think there were more kids on Harmony of the Seas than I had seen on other sailings, like percentage-wise. Yep. There seemed to be more. And maybe that's just how Oasis class ships are. Sure. But yeah. uh, at the end of the day, Jenna, it doesn't seem like you're an Oasis class kind of girl. I like No, I liked it. I think I like the smaller ships a little more. Okay. But I, I still think it's like awesome. You know, I, I do it again, and okay. I will <laughs> in like a month. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like I like it. Yep. I think I think for families it's like excellent, right? Because there's so much stuff. And then I think certain awesome parts are awesome, like the Central Park um, boardwalk area. I do think that there's some things I prefer on other ships, like the outdoor view space, I feel like is mm. for its size less on an Oasis class ship than something like a Voyager Freedom class ship where you have that whole promenade deck area. And you have you could see like through um, portholes from the promenade outside onto the ocean. And I think Oasis Class doesn't have that as much. It's more like internally focused. Um, but I, I think that what's cool, I, I like the running track on the Oasis one, how it's down further and separated so oh, yeah. people can like run. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to compare because I think there's benefits to every Sure. Different kind. But yeah, I think I like small ships a little more, but yeah. I like them all. So. Okay. Fair enough. Well, Jenna, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Always appreciate your input and uh, looking forward to hearing your next report. Thanks. 
All right, friends, time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I dive into the Real Green Blog podcast email inbox and answer the emails that you have sent in. Got some good ones that came in since last week. And of course, if you want to send me your emails, you can always do so by sending them to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email is from Steve. Hey, Matt, thanks for another great podcast. One of the questions in this week's episode was about souvenirs that we wish we had purchased. I have one, but I don't see how to enter a comment, so here's an email instead. On our honeymoon in 1986, we went on a seven-night Mexican Riviera cruise out of Los Angeles. Being young, dumb, and broke, I didn't bring enough money for all the activities and souvenirs we wanted to buy. In one of the ports, I think it was Mazalan, one of the vendors had a beautiful handmade wood inlay Mayan calendar. It was beautiful. We really wanted it, but didn't buy it. Once we left port, both of us wished we had purchased it, so I kept an eye out for the remaining ports. No such luck. I have since purchased one, but it wasn't as well made. It's the only souvenir that I've ever regretted not buying. Lesson learned, bring more money on the cruise, than if you and if you find something you really want, buy it while you have the chance. Yopo, you only port once. Thanks. Steve, it's a great point. You reminded me of actually something else that my wife and I encountered very similarly. I think it was on our honeymoon. It might have been on another cruise. It was one time we were in Cozumel, and there was a street artist who I don't even remember what the art was, quite frankly. It was something that was very beautiful and looked really cool, but I think we just didn't have any money on. But we were young. We probably were dumb. I'm not sure we were broke. I'm not sure, I don't think we just had a lot of money on with us in port. So we just couldn't. There was like no way to negotiate on this. I would have been offering like five bucks or something like that. So it was just like, but it was like, it looked like really a nice thing. And I would have, you know, liked to have gotten it, but. We didn't buy it, and then I think we regretted getting it. But like, ah, oh, we'll be at Cosmel so many times. We'll we'll find that person again. Certainly, that artist will be around, and I don't think we ever found that person again. It's just it is one of those things that if you see something, you got to seize it, right? And uh, you know, jump on the opportunity. I think that's inevitably what you're talking about because for a lot of ports you're visiting, a lot of the merchandise is pretty much identical. They're all made in China, and you know, it's just funny sayings on shirts and you know, uh, or, or things that's, that commemorate the port you're visiting. But when you're truly finding something unique or authentic that stands out from that area, you kind of want to, you know, take that opportunity maybe to buy it. And, and I think it's, it's worth mentioning that who knows when the next time you'll be there or more to my point earlier, who knows the next time that person will be there again. You, You can't take it for granted that there will always be that option. So very good email, Steve. Thank you for starting us off. Our uh, next email is from Tropical Tom. What's up, Tom? Hey, guys, I have to catch up on your videos. I've not watched any of your Disney material yet. I just want to say that I'm sorry that I had to cancel my cruise. One of my big hesitations about using a travel agent is the regret and sorrow I always feel when I have to cancel or change reservations and watch my travel agent do all that work for no money. In the past, I have even not modified a vacation plan because I didn't want to bother my travel agent yet another time for yet another modification due to yet another change in my mind. I'm sure I am sure of it. It's not really a problem for you. And they have to deal with it all the time, especially in the pandemic, strange times that we live in. I just wanted you to know that is with hesitation, deep regret that I ever cancel a cruise. I've canceled less than a half a dozen bookings in well over 100 cruises. Ship happens. Love you guys. Tom, thanks for the email. And I'll say this. First of all, I think you're coming from a very good point, a very good place, rather. You know, saying you're, you're, you know, you want to be respectful of the travel agent's time. I would simply say, I think most travel agents will tell you, well, obviously they don't, they want you to go on the cruise because if you guys aren't aware what Tom is alluding to, travel agents don't get a commission unless you actually go on the cruise. Meaning, uh, you know, if, if you book a cruise two years in advance and you spend that next two years planning that cruise, the agent doesn't actually get the money, the commission from the reservation until you actually go on that cruise two years later. Now, while the travel agent certainly would love for you to go on that cruise, they're also realistic about it. And it's a long game. One of the big misconceptions about travel agents is that like one booking makes or breaks them or something like that. It's a drop in the bucket. The real money for being a good travel agent is multiple bookings over time. That Tropical Tom doesn't just book one cruise. He books three, four, seven cruises. And if he has a bunch of cruises booked over time, and Matt has a bunch of cruises booked over time, and Billy has a bunch of cruises booked over time, that's where you really make money as a travel agent. So yeah, one reservation cancel or whatever, how many can't you're canceling, it does think, but that's what they're there to do. They're there for good and bad. And at the end of the day, that's their job. And I've talked to a lot of travel agents about, this, especially during the pandemic, you know, and, and this when this became, I think, more of an issue than it was pre-pandemic in terms of cancellations. But, you know, they want your business. They want you to be satisfied and happy. And at the end of the day, it's just, it's part of the game as it were. So I would say this, Tom, I don't think you should be looking at it as uh, a disappointment on their side. I mean, 
yeah, they want you to go, but they also want, want you to do well. And they certainly, as long as you're not uh, booking cruises without any intent of going, I think you're fine. If you're making good faith bookings and working with them in good faith, I don't think there's any problem at all with a travel agent, you know, handling reservation, even if you do a bunch of work on it and then you know what, you end up canceling it. This is the world we live in. I don't think anyone's really, uh, you know, naive enough to believe that's not the case. So I think, Tom, you're, I think you're totally fine. And I think any good travel agent will certainly recognize that. And I'm sure they would say something along the lines of, you know, Tom, I'm sorry you have to cancel. I certainly understand why. It stinks for both of us. But hey, maybe now's an opportunity to book a new cruise with that FCC you're getting or the money back. Let's put a new deposit down. That's where the travel agent game truly takes to the next step because sooner or later, they're going to want you there. So if you feel bad about canceling, that's totally fine. I would say the best thing you can do is book another cruise almost immediately so you get something else on the on the calendar for them. Uh, you know, just keep, keep that ball rolling, as it were. So good email, Tom. I think it's a really, really good uh, thought. And I'm sure other people have thought the same thing. Next, we have an email from Barbara Gehring who writes, Hi, Matt. Been listening to a lot of blogs, but have not heard the answer to this question. If gratuities can be paid at the end of a cruise from remaining onboard credit, had our back-to-back cruises cancel on Symphony back in uh, January of 2022 and have a lot of onboard credit to use when we rebook? Barbara, great question. Thanks for the email. So the answer is yes. Again, something that I've, I know we've talked about in past episodes, but I just want to reiterate it. When you have onboard credit, you don't tell Royal Caribbean, oh, I want to use my onboard credit for this purchase or that purchase. It is literally a credit against your account, Barbara. So let's say I'm going to make up numbers here. Let's say you have $500 onboard credit and you spend $200, you know, on whatever, souvenirs, uh, especially restaurants, right? You'll have $300 onboard credit left. You don't tell them I'm using onboard credit. It's just the amount of charges minus your onboard credit and the difference is whatever you got there. If you use up all your onboard credit, then you owe Royal Caribbean money on that. Okay, now that we're set on that, can you use gratuities at the end of the cruise with your onboard credit? The answer is yes. So what you would want to do, number one, is not prepay your gratuities. Number two, when you get on board the ship, Barbara, every day of your cruise, you will get char- you and everyone in your room will get charged the automatic gratuity, which I think you already know about. At that point, every day of your cruise, that charge will start taking away from that onboard credit. It's like, but obviously, if you spend again, going back to my example, five hundred dollars onboard credit, if you do that, but also spend you know three hundred dollars and or five hundred dollars for this example, you know, on souvenirs and and dining and whatnot, you know, obviously you're going to owe money at the end of it. But yes, if you went on the board the ship didn't spend a dime on anything, you just simply sat back and let the automatic gratuities hit your account, then yes, that would be totally fine. You could do that. So that's totally acceptable. Thank you, Barbara, for the email. It's a good question. Next up, we have an email from Ryan who writes, Hi, Matt. I want to thank you for the podcast. I started listening during COVID and listening and being able to daydream of cruising and exotic ports of calls has definitely helped me during these days at home. I'm writing to ask a question about cruising with kids. My family has never sailed on Royal Caribbean. We have reservations on Oasis of the Seas this August and on Anthem in February of 2023. We have two boys who will be three and six. On Oasis, we have connecting Ocean View cabins, one for us and one for the other kids. And on Anthem, we're going to be staying together in a spacious Ocean View cabin. My two questions are, number one, what will happen if our three-year-old isn't potty trained before sailing? The nursery is for three and under, and o- o- Adventure Ocean is for potty trained kids only. Is there any option for three-year-olds who aren't potty trained? We'll start with that question first, Ryan. It's a great question. I had to go through this with my kids as well. So the official answer to your question is, uh, number one, you have the, the official answer is your kids have to be fully potty trained. I dare you to find a three-year-old that is fully potty trained. It's it's a misnomer. It's like giant shrimp. It doesn't exist, right? It's like, uh, <laughs> it's an oxymoron. It's just, it doesn't happen. Here's the reality of it, Ryan. They give you, generally speaking, the three strikes and you're out rule with the kids. So they're allowed one or two accidents before it becomes a problem if they get kicked out of there. They can't show up in diapers. That's number one. So you've got to make sure they're not walking in with a diaper. Number two, something else that I would recommend doing, and we used to do this with our kids when we were a little leery of this. I remember going on a cruise where one or both of my kids turned exactly three, like a week or two before the cruise. We would do this, Ryan. Before our reservation for Adventure Ocean, we would take our daughters to the bathroom, make sure they go bathroom. And that way, basically, their bladders are empty. Theoretically, that should buy us some time. And we actually, in the very beginning, it's like when, right when we're in the midst of potty training, we know they're not really potty trained. We would go up, either go up to Adventure Ocean and check on them to ask them, do you have to go potty? Or call in periodically and ask them. We, I think we I think we went with the once an hour rule was the basic idea. Now, luckily, we never ran into a problem, I don't think, with anyone having an accident in there. But obviously, everyone's kids are different. And, you know, it is what it is. But technically, the answer is, you have to be fully potty trained. 
but they do account for accidents because they are three-year-olds. They understand it's not their first thing. The other thing is, by the way, if the kid does go to the potty by themselves, they have to go by themselves. The Adventure Ocean staff cannot assist them. Again, all, another reason maybe to take them right before you drop them off, just to make sure that the tank is empty and you know, you're know you at least set up for success. And Ryan's other question is, are there any options we want to attend some evening events without the kids? I'm honestly not sure what you mean by that. I'm assuming you mean like if Adventure Ocean isn't an option, what to do with the kids? You know, at that age, it's rough. My kids have gotten a little bit older now. My kids are now seven and 11. So we can feel comfortable leaving them in the room for a little bit. Uh, you know, they're on their devices. I don't even know that. <laughs> I mean, once they're both using their iPads, I mean, three hours can go by and they don't even notice anything, you know, but they're also old enough that, especially the 11 year old that, you know, if there was an issue, they could pick up the phone and call somebody, right? I'm not too worried about that. Three and six is different. So uh, I'm not sure what you mean. Are there any options if we want to attend some evening events without the kids? There are obviously some adults only activities, uh, adult comedy, things of that nature. Uh, some of the bars, especially if you're talking about vaccinated only areas, uh, the casino is another example of that. That'd be something for, for you to do. But yes, there are definitely adult oriented and or adult only events on board the ship in the evening. They tend to skew more towards adult oriented as in you're not allowed, you're not, not allowed to bring your kids there. Your kids could hang out with you at the bar. I don't think I would want that as a parent. I mean, I, I don't, my, kids ruin your vibe of sitting at the bar, quite frankly, but it would be okay. It's been done before, um, as opposed to some events which are specifically for, you know, adults only. Uh, the, the classic example I'm thinking of is the nightclub, the quest. Those are things in which, you know, kids are not allowed in there. But I hope that makes sense. I'm not sure if I understand your second part of your question there. Uh, the Royal Caribbean used to have in-room babysitting. That's no longer the case. You can't do that. So, yeah, unless you can wrangle a family member to come on the cruise with you and act as babysitter, uh, yeah, it's really Adventure Ocean or, you know, I've seen some people, I wouldn't recommend it. Number one, you're not supposed to bring them on board, which are baby monitors, and they leave the kids in the room, and they put the baby monitor there, and they bring the other monitor, like a video one, down to, like, the bar, and they, I remember this one family was sitting at the bar with the baby monitor on, facing them, and they were just, you know, doing whatever. I don't feel comfortable as a parent doing that for a variety of reasons, but, you know, it, it has been done. Um, it's really Adventure Ocean or... Or, or not. Um, and again, at that age, I know it's the six-year-old just, you know, isn't old enough to be, I think, alone in a room by themselves with a three-year-old. So yeah, that can be rough. I would just say, you know, again, focus on potty training as much as you can, get them ready, and then try that empty the tank strategy right beforehand. And hopefully you'll have a good success there. And especially if you're only keeping them there for a little bit and, or you check on them periodically, that worked out really well for our family. So thank you, Ryan, for the email. And our last email today is from Renee Pierce, who has another Adventure Ocean question for you. Love your content, well, for me, actually. <laughs> Love your content, and both the YouTube productions and the podcast have been invaluable for me as I plan our upcoming careers on Odyssey this season, February, fingers crossed. I'm wondering if any tips for gathering information about how much of the Adventure Ocean program will be available for us on our sailing. I realize we may be faced with limited options availability, but I'm hoping I can gather some of that info before we sail and make a more informed decision about rescheduling if the program is not going to be an option or will be significantly sail scaled back to the point of not being helpful for, to us or fun for our kids. We're sailing with two children under five and two teenagers, and a big factor in our planning was Adventure Ocean. We're hoping to do some dining and activities without the little ones. Any advice you can offer is appreciated. Renee, I know exactly where you're coming from because we've been struggling with this since uh, really, I, it really became an issue for us, not so much on the first couple cruises back, but when rail started increasing capacity. So I would say right around our Thanksgiving cruise, Renee, this started becoming an issue of, you know, capa limited capacity in Adventure Ocean. Can we get them in there and planning around that, quite frankly? So the answer to your question is obviously rail won't tell you a whole lot ahead of time. You're really going to have to depend on third party reports, essentially. So number one, I would recommend uh, inquiring as you get closer to your sailing and you're not that far away. Obviously, we're talking about I mean, this episode is coming out here in the end of January. So a couple weeks, keep checking back with folks who are on board to ask them questions about Adventure Ocean. The Royal Caribbean blog message boards are a fantastic resource. You can certainly post in there and pick people's brains or a live blog posts uh, that go on in there as well as just opening up a general thread and commenting on other people's posts to get a sense of where it is. It seems like, and again, uh, Rails trying to change up their policy. I know that some folks have reported in the last week or two of a more first come first serve process where there aren't advanced reservations and thus the slots aren't there. It's more of a just here, you know, you line up and you get a spot and hopefully you, your kid can get in kind of situation, which kind of solves one problem and creates another one or two, but I digress on that. It's another discussion for another day. Anyway, my point Renee is, you know, 
you're going to have to rely on third-party reports, people who share this information. Facebook groups can be another resource, although Facebook groups, in my experience, tend to skew towards an older crowd. Uh, they're just, you don't get the younger families that generally join. It's not, not always true, and your selling could be different, but I'm just saying in general, it's you know, it can be all over the place. But really, social media, Facebook, message boards are where I would go to try to get a sense of it. I'm not sure exactly when your cruise is in February. Granted, I'm not selling on Odyssey, but I am sailing on the Independence of the Seas over President's Week, which may or may not be already about past by the time you're going. And I may be able to have a report for you over there. You know, it's just going to be one. Even if you got a report a week before the cruise, I'm going to be real with you. It could change by the time you get on board the ship. It could be a completely different process. So, you know, it, it, it's rough. I understand uh, my advice and something and, and children under five is, is rough. My advice, something I've written about on a blog.com is you should plan for a less adventure ocean time, not none, but less adventure ocean time. You know, we on our last cruise over Christmas, we knew that in advance. We made sure we brought our Nintendo switch. We brought both kids iPads. We brought games like board games and card games for the kids to play in the room. Things to keep them occupied because it's not so much that I need them like, you know, totally engaged and doing stuff. I just need them not complaining they're bored and bothering us. So coloring books, uh, you know, whatever holds their attention for a while and is reasonable, reasonably safe to bring. Like I wouldn't bring Play-Doh on board because our kids love Play-Doh, but I just, you know, that's just a huge mess waiting to happen, right? Uh, anyway, the point is, is you want to make sure you have backup plans just in case, but third-party reports is really your only recourse to get more information ahead of time. It's things really do change all the time that it's just even me telling you all this today on this, on this week's episode, it could really all change by the time you get on board the ship. And it's, which is good news or bad news. I mean, it's good news in the sense that, Hey, maybe it'll improve. Maybe things will be better than you expect, but it could be bad news because you just don't know what to expect at all. And that's rough, but you got to be realistic about it. So if this is a big, like you said, it's a big factor in planning, and if it would be a major disappointment and bordering, if not exceeding, hashtag cruise ruin situation, if you can't get your kids in Adventure Ocean every night, you know, you might have to rethink your plans because I just don't want you to get in that situation. You have to be realistic about this because right now when you're going on a cruise in January, February, March with Omicron and everything like this, you've got to be flexible with some of these changes. It's just the reality of going on a cruise right now. So there's my real talk for you, Renee. I hope this helped at all. Anyway, thank you, everybody, for checking out this week's episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. You can send me your emails for me to yammer on and on about and maybe give you a good answer. I'm not sure. By sending them to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon.